Welcome back to Classic Coverage, the podcast that looks at classic films back when they were just screenplays. My name is Max Davis, and I am your host. I'm a writer. I'm a director. I have an MFA in screenwriting from USC. I have launched two successful Kickstarters out of 19. I am a part-time improv coach if your practice group needs anybody on the weekends, but more importantly, for the sake of this show, I am a script reader at a major Hollywood studio. I can't say which studio because I signed a confidentiality agreement and also uh, anything I do on company time or with company resources then becomes company property. But uh, let's just say that it is universally important that my bosses don't find out what I'm doing. So what does a script reader do? Well, just that. Uh, Anything that my bosses hand me, I will read, and I will determine whether or not it's worth their time to check out as well. And typically that is done with with a uh, concept called coverage. Uh, Coverage is a brief plot synopsis followed by notes about whether or not there are plot holes, whether or not the characters seem authentic, whether or not the dialogue is a little bit too trite or trying too hard to be clever. You know, any reason for somebody to say no, because in Hollywood... Nobody gets fired for saying no to a good project, but you do get fired for saying yes to a bad project. So a lot of times, we script readers are sort of the uh, the gatekeepers for uh, the higher-ups. Actually, uh, that's uh, my job title. Uh, instead of reader, I put it down on my resume as development coordinator, and I think that sounds a lot better for when I apply to the uh, agency mailrooms. Again. You see, uh, as you can tell, a lot of my job is uh, reading mediocre scripts. Scripts, I'm shocked that these people even have representation. These people, they have agents and managers, and uh, some of us don't. So about nine times out of ten, I am reading scripts that are garbage, that are derivative, that are just not fantastic. Actually, there, there have only been two scripts in my history as a reader that I've given the recommendation of read to, and that's, those are Passengers by John Spates and Dirty Grandpa. Two scripts that were both uh, spectacular, clean log lines, uh, well-developed characters, a sense of urgency, but then the execution just turned them into disasters. Today, I spent my day reading two projects. One was a very derivative uh, piece of young adult fiction. It was a 500-page manuscript called The Cicada Chronicles, colon, book one, dash, Elevator's Revenge. I don't know what any of those words mean, but all I know is that there's about a young girl who finds out that her father was a werewolf hunter, and so she goes to a special school for werewolf hunters, and she falls in love, you guessed it, with a werewolf, and there's always this apocalyptic pro- you know, prophecy, because that's the only way that young adult novels know how to do long-term plotting. And the other thing I had to read today was called Thaw, and th- this is the thing where every single Hollywood script is now trying to be the new Deadpool. And so this guy, he was snarky. He was breaking the fourth wall. Uh, the concept is about a detective who is cryogenically frozen and then unfrozen, whether or not they need him for a case. And so he's from the 1960s. This script happened to take place in the 2060s, and so he's a man out of time. It's very much a Demolition Man with, you know, crossed with Deadpool. Uh, it's going to be getting a pass from me, but I'm only on page 65 of that, so I really should soldier on. So you might be wondering, if my job is all about reading bad scripts, why do I keep doing it? Well, one, the money. But two, is the fact that I have access to the studio's vault. And the vault contains all of the coverage on any script that has ever been submitted to this particular studio. So uh, whenever I'm feeling a little bit down or a little bit depressed, I will get it from my desk, which is sandwiched between the Keurig machine and the copier, and I will grab a golf cart, I will joyride around for a little bit, and then I will go over to the vault And I will pick one random script, and I will see what people thought of it back when it was originally introduced to the studio. Today, we're going to look at a script that was written by another graduate of USC Film School. 
It's a script from 1975 by a young writer-director named George Lucas, and he submitted his spec script, Star Wars. So today we're going to read the script notes for the first part of the Star Wars trilogy. Script title, Star Wars. Screenwriter, George Lucas. Page count, 127. Genre, science fiction. Draft date, November 29, 1975. Logline. After discovering that his father was a legendary warrior, a farm boy becomes entangled in an intergalactic civil war. Star Wars is a fairly conventional story that isn't quite unique enough to stand out from the other sci-fi properties. It's nothing more than the classic hero's journey set against the backdrop of outer space. The writer's feeble attempts at world-building merely consist of name-dropping extraneous alien species, spacecraft, and weaponry. There's no real substance or original ideas in Star Wars, leading to a decent, if forgettable read. While the act structure is serviceable and hits the requisite beats, the plot is fairly standard, going from station to station, sometimes literally, I might add. After a text-heavy exposition dump at the top, we move into an alien world featuring a merciless empire, a rogue rebellion, and a desert planet. Whether in Flash Gordon or Frank Herbert's Dune, we've seen this story before. It's all very familiar without adding anything new to the formula. The main problem with Star Wars is that there is zero narrative closure with Darth Vader. He is the main villain, a dark Jedi, and the murderer of Obi-Wan Kenobi, yet he simply spins away into space at the end. This is the villain who killed Luke's father, yet they have no interactions. You think that Luke could get some semblance of vengeance on Vader. There's no payoff to this setup, and this loose plot thread smacks of lazy writing. On the subject of weak plotting, the painfully named Death Star, if the space station doesn't kill you with its giant laser, it will browbeat you with subtlety, is destroyed thanks to the laughably implausible deus ex machina of an open drain pipe. This plot point is so convenient that even the characters note it. The script inhabits a sci-fi world, but the writer also feels the need to introduce magic in the form of the Force. Adding a mystical element on top of a world of robots and spaceships might be a bit too big a leap for audiences to make. The Force is a hand-waving catch-all, again, sometimes literally, that provides mind control, choking, and apparently the ability to give posthumous advice. Kenobi's ghost visits Luke without any pipe being laid for this device. Without a scientific explanation for the mechanics of Jedi powers, this Force cannot be taken seriously. The backstory of the world remains unexplored. There's a mention of a clone war and an old republic, but they are never expanded upon. I would have appreciated a look into the political chaos and economic events that led to the Empire's rise. The script's one-dimensional characters are all pleasant enough, but nothing to really sink your teeth into. There aren't many gradations or shades of gray to the villains. Darth Vader is pure evil, while Tarkin is a mustache-twirling adversary who goes down with a ship. Luke Skywalker demonstrates a clear coming-of-age story, although it relies heavily on the overused trope of the long-lost heroic father, but does his character arc really track? He is the same person at the end of the script that he was at the beginning. He goes from wanting to be a hero to becoming a hero. What lesson does he learn? What is his core flaw that he overcomes? These issues are never addressed as Luke's heroics are never called into question. Han Solo is the lone bright spot of the script, as he is the only character with a pronounced arc. He moves from being only motivated by self-interest and money to selflessly returning to the final battle. He's also the recipient of the majority of the script's better one-liners. The romantic relationship between Luke and Leia needs to be more prominent. Their romance is a strong point of the script, but we only get one kiss between them. We need more of Luke and Leia together for their love story to resonate. The rest of the supporting cast is bumbling robots and monsters. It's difficult to market characters who speak exclusively in grunts and beeps. 
While a throwback to Flash Gordon and other serials of that era, the dialogue is appropriately campy but borders on clunky. When the dialogue isn't on the nose or expository, it is written entirely in the jargon of the world. As stated before, the writer's strategy for world building is to drop as many unique sci-fi terms as possible. This gets in the way of learning who these characters actually are. With lines such as, The ability to destroy a planet is insignificant compared to the power of the Force, page 37, and I felt a great disturbance in the Force, as if millions of voices suddenly cried out in terror and were suddenly silenced, page 58, the writer doesn't show an understanding of the way that people actually speak. It also bears noting that in addition to being a pastiche of pulp sci-fi, the script is eerily similar to Akira Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. While audiences recognize this borderline plagiarism, in this reader's opinion, they definitely will. There are a few engaging set pieces and a good character or two, but Star Wars doesn't add anything to the existing sci-fi tableau. With its formulaic plot and under-rendered characters, the script is generic to the point of being derivative. Also, I noted 15 typos through the course of the script. Recommendation, pass. So that's what they thought of Star Wars, and to be honest, the notes make a lot of sense. A lot of problems with that script. Uh, I'm not sure how it got made, you know, probably with studio politicking, because trust me, the connections you get as a USC film student are not enough to help you succeed in this business. So that's all the time I have for this week. I should probably go back and finish up that script. God help me. Uh, I'd like to thank Noah Goldberg for providing the theme music. Uh, if you like this podcast, please like, share, and subscribe on iTunes. Tell a friend. And until then, my name is Max Davison. And remember that even the classics could use another pass of notes. Thank you.